So to me, what resilience really means is your ability to adapt to the stressors and then return back to center unharmed. Welcome back to the Mastering Your Fertility podcast. This show is all about reclaiming health, enhancing fertility, and preparing for pregnancy. We're Kristen Cornett and Dr. Haley Nye, your hosts and the creators of the online fertility platform, Tiny Feet. This episode is brought to you by our online preconception and fertility optimization course, Fertile in Five Masterclass. This course walks you through everything you need to know to prepare for a healthy pregnancy so you can get pregnant when you want to, stay pregnant, and bring your healthy baby home. With over six hours of video lessons, printable worksheets, and quick reference guides, and links to all of our top recommended products and resources, Fertile in Five really lays everything out for you in an easy-to-follow step-by-step program. If you're ready to stop stressing over getting pregnant and feel confident and empowered on your fertility journey, then this is the perfect solution for you. To learn more, click on the link in the podcast episode description or go to bit.ly forward slash fertile in five. And if you'd like to get a free sneak peek at the full course, check out our mini course on how to choose the best prenatal supplements, which actually walks you through step three of fertile in five masterclass. You can get signed up for the free course through the link in the podcast episode description or by going to bit.ly forward slash prenatal supplements. Thank you all so much for tuning in with us today. If you're here for the first time, we are a nutritionist and naturopathic doctor, and our passion is helping couples get pregnant naturally and have healthier babies. We have a virtual practice through Tiny Feet where you can schedule one-on-one consults to investigate your health and get your fertility on track. And we also offer online courses for those looking for a more do-it-yourself approach. You can learn more about us and what we offer on our website at tinyfeet.co. If you're local to the Portland, Oregon area, you can also find Dr. Haley at Synergy Women's Healthcare. To learn more about working with her in person, visit SynergyPDX.com. You're listening to episode 52, which means that today's episode officially marks one year of the Mastering Your Fertility podcast. So we really want to thank all of you from the bottom of our hearts for just all the incredible support we've received from you in this past year. It has been an absolute pleasure to serve you through this podcast and through Tiny Feet, and we hope we've been able to help you learn more and feel empowered and in control on your fertility journey. If you have found the podcast helpful, please consider leaving us a rating or review on iTunes to share your thoughts and also help us spread the word to more women and couples. We appreciate you all so very much, and we look forward to continuing to bring you weekly knowledge on health and family building. Today, we have a very interesting interview for you with Dr. Danielle Ayers, who is a chiropractor here in Portland, Oregon. Dr. Danielle's focus is on helping women improve their quality of life, reduce stress reactivity, and increase stress resilience through a unique chiropractic approach. So many women struggling with fertility experience a massive increase in stress, understandably so, because this journey can be extremely challenging. I've been there. I totally get it. And while stress may not cause infertility in the majority of cases, it certainly doesn't help the situation, and it can significantly reduce our ability to heal our bodies, recover our fertility, and just generally experience joy and happiness in our lives. Now, we've all heard the less than helpful advice to just relax, and I promise that today's episode is not going to be like that at all. Dr. Danielle is really going to talk about some of the reasons that we can get stuck in this constant fight or flight stress response and what we can do both on our own and with professional help to start to unwind it so we can support better health and a more fertile body. 
So today you're going to learn the goals of traditional chiropractic care and how Dr. Danielle's approach is actually quite a bit different. The different types of nervous system signaling and how these affect whether our body is calm and relaxed or tense and on edge. What fascia is and how it impacts the tension in our bodies as well as our neurology. How all of this ties into fertility and how Dr. Danielle approaches care for women trying to conceive. Types of movement that we can incorporate into our daily lives to bring more balance to the nervous system and turn down the stress response and how to seek out professional support when necessary. So let me introduce you to Dr. Danielle and we'll get started on the interview. Dr. Danielle Ayers is a chiropractor practicing at Chrysalis Studio PDX, a therapeutic movement studio and clinic focused on helping purpose-driven women who struggle with exhaustion, stress reactivity, and burnout become more resilient to stress. Dr. Danielle combines her background in chiropractic, biopsychology, and neuroscience with special focus on gender and health, and uses this knowledge to help women get to the root cause of what's keeping them in fight or flight mode so they can finally feel like themselves again. In her clinical practice, she combines neurofascial integration with specific step-by-step -step mentorship and clinical strategies grounded in body-brain neurology to help clients restore adaptability to whatever life throws their way. Dr. Danielle is always striving to learn and serve more and is completing postdoctoral training in prenatal and pediatric care through the International Chiropractic Pediatrics Association and anticipates certification in 2020. Dr. Danielle brings a unique focus to the Chrysalis Studio in supporting families wanting to optimize fertility and prepare for the best possible pregnancy. She strongly believes in empowering women and has made it a focus to create space within her community that highlights female connection and leadership. We're very excited to have Dr. Danielle with us today and we hope you enjoy the interview. All right. Welcome, Dr. Danielle Ayers. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mastering Your Fertility. We're really excited to talk about this new topic that we haven't discussed on the podcast before. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me join you. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your background first and what made you decide to become a chiropractor? Yeah, so I actually knew that I wanted to um, specialize in fertility before I knew I wanted to be a, a chiropractor. Um, so I had a little bit of a roundabout way into becoming a chiropractor. I have just always been fascinated by the female body and by a woman's health. I was that kid in like fourth grade when you're going through sex ed, I was like, your body does what? <laughs> it was just um, really amazing to me to hear what the female body can do. And I've just always been really interested in um, human development as well. Um, so when I got into university, I um, was thinking that I wanted to become an OBGYN and I wanted to specialize in fertility. Um, and, and I think it was my junior year, I started um, a minor in gender and health and I took a class that was taught by a midwife, and it totally shifted my paradigm on what I thought about women's health and reproduction. Um, and I was learning that you could have a birth naturally, and that was not something that I had been exposed to. My idea of birth was that it required epidurals and <laughs> it required Pitocin. Um, and so I had this huge paradigm shift, and um, I decided that that was not the path I wanted to take anymore and I wanted to explore other options. Um, and I also had a background in neurology as well. 
So I wanted to kind of figure out like, how was I going to fit all these different interests into something that felt good to me that um, I felt like I was going to be able to help people um, in achieving fertility um, through a way that incorporated all these different interests of mine. So I found chiropractic and um, I didn't really have much of a background in knowledge about chiropractic. I kind of thought it was about like back pain, neck pain, the typical things that you think of when you think about chiropractic. Um, and I started talking to some doctors in the field and heard more about the neurology focus behind chiropractic and um, heard some stories from doctors in the field about their own experience with patients and um, some of the stories that they had around how they were able to help patients who were struggling with fertility um, by restoring some of the nervous system and some of the interference that happens um, that chiropractic can help with. So yeah, that's kind of how I found my way into chiropractic and um, it really became this perfect way for me to fit everything that I wanted to accomplish into um, this package that I have just been so blessed to find. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think it's, I think it is interesting to kind of discuss chiropractic a little bit more because I think a lot of people have the same initial perception that you had when you were starting out, which is this is just about back pain or like you go see a chiropractor if you have an injury or if you've been in a car accident or something like that. So talk a little bit more about like what chiropractic is and what the primary goals are. And I know there's different types, so we can kind of talk about that too. Yeah, definitely. So there are a lot of different types of chiropractic out there. Um, there's, you know, hundreds of different techniques. The um, piece of chiropractic that I really align with is the piece that focuses on the neurology. Um, so it's this idea that when you have what we call a subluxation, it's um, a joint that is not moving properly and it can cause aberrant motion, which affects the nerve conductivity. And so when you have these joints that are stuck together, um, it can impair the signals that go from the spinal cord, which exists inside the joint, out to the nerve, which communicates with your body. So it's this interference between brain and body communication. Um, and when we have that, it can really cause alarm signals to our brain and keeps us in this kind of state of fight or flight. And okay. So that's kind of the idea behind the neurology associated with chiropractic. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and when you think about that sort of nervous system interference, your nervous system is responsible for kind of everything that your body does. I mean, it's your brain's way of communicating with the rest of your body to tell it what to do. Exactly. Yeah, we have so many pieces of information coming into our nervous system and um, that need to be processed by our brain and then computed into an intelligence response, be that like that we need to react to a certain stimulus in our environment or we need to have an, a certain emotional response to um, something that we heard or from another person. All of that information gets kind of um, processed through our nervous system. So when you have kind of like static on the line, you're not getting the full signals into your brain and you're not able to process in a way that creates an intelligent response in response to that stimulus. So that's very interesting. I'm over here listening like, hmm, because I think of chiropractic very similar to I think, which is really funny because I'm a naturopathic doctor. We actually learned manipulation in school, but kind of that like, okay, my, my neck is hurting, my back is hurting. So very similar to the, I'm sure the rest of the population. So 
give us some examples of what that actually looks like. So let's say, let's just take me for an example. If I have um, this pain in the left side of my neck that I think is very related to just like uh, a subluxation that you were talking about, right? Like a, a stuck joint, then how else could that be affecting the rest of my nervous system or like the, the relay of that information to and from the brain and the body? Yeah. So um, just at a local level, depending on where that subluxation is, it'll directly impair the messages that that nerve sends to whatever organ it connects with. Um, so maybe if it's, you know, at a certain level, it's directly impacting whatever organs or whatever muscles are supplied by that nerve. Um, and then systemically also, if we have a joint that's fixated and causing those alarm signals to your brain, anytime something's stuck, you're kind of getting this information to your brain, like help something stuck, even if you're not consciously aware of it. Hmm. And um, when you have multitudes of those kind of stuck joints that are sending those signals to your brain, it can keep your nervous system in this elevated, what we call a sympathetic state. It's kind of like if you've ever heard of fight or flight, that's the same thing as a sympathetic. Um, that's your sympathetic nervous system. You're trying to Which like, would be uh, like higher anxiety, mm-hmm. shorter breaths, just feeling more on edge, that, those kind of symptoms. Exactly. Yeah. And several more if you kind of like are in that state for a long time. But I like to kind of break it down and think about like if I was a cave woman, <laughs> what, when would that system be activated in me? And it's kind of like when I'm trying to run from a tiger. So what kind of things would happen to my body if I'm trying to run from a tiger? It's like my heart rate is going to increase. Um, My peripheral vision is going to decrease because I'm just focused on what's in front of me. Um, So it's really this whole systemic um, shift in our physiology that keeps us in this heightened alarm state. Or we know and, that that's, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, and muscle tension is what I was going to say. You kind of like, yeah. you know, everybody is like, they get a loud noise or something. They tense up their muscles. Exactly. You're kind of like on this hairpin trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked before on the podcast about why this fight or flight state, this sympathetic nervous system state is not ideal when it comes to fertility. So we'll definitely go into that a little bit more here in a few minutes. So I'm, I'm going to ask a technical question and I hope that I'm not going to mess it up because there's <laughs> words in it that are hard to pronounce. So can you explain more about the difference between proprioception and nociception and how this affects the nervous system? Totally. So this is a lot about what kind of happens when you have um, these stuck joints. Um, Normally, proprioception is our ability to tell where we are in our environment. Um, And I like to think of it kind of like movement signals. So you have proprioceptive signals going to your brain anytime you move and also anytime you feel pressure. talking with my hands a lot and realizing that this is a podcast and you're not able to see what I'm doing. Um, She's pressing on her arm. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pressing on my arm. So anytime you feel um, pressure as well, that's the same sort of idea. Those um, receptors, those proprioceptive receptors are activated by any sort of movement and any sort of pressure. Um, So that's actually our body's natural way of coming out of an alarm state, out of that fight or flight mode. Um, And it's kind of in the name of it too. If you're in fight or flight, you have two actions. You're gonna be fighting and moving to fight, or you're gonna be flighting and running to get away. 
Um, so movement is incorporated in both of those pieces of fight or flight. And if you think about like the last time you shut your finger in a door, what was your first re reaction? So you want to shake it, maybe you want to scream and it. say the F word. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our body's natural way of coming down out of a fight or flight response. Um, because those, um, signals to our brain, the proprioceptive signals travel on really fast nerve fibers. And so they calm our body down, um, and they, um, beat out what's called nociceptive signals, which are the alarm signals. When you have a lot of nociceptive signals, it comes across as like pain. Um, so we want to have more proprioception than nociception. Anytime you have a lot of nociception, it's going to send a lot of alarm signals to your brain and that's what keeps you in fight or flight. Um, so proprioception is kind of what we're focusing on in this work. So in uh, layman's terms, Proprioception mm -hmm. is more movement and then nociception is going to be more of like the pain signal that comes often without movement. So like the slamming the finger in the door and that pain goes to your brain, that's nociception, but the proprioception is us wagging our finger. Exactly. Right. Yeah, okay. exactly. And anytime you have stuck joints, it's creating those nociceptive signals. Um, mm, I can so relate to that right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I did yoga this morning and I was like, I got to do the yoga because my joints are very, um, you know, no, they have Sticky. nociception going Sticky. on. Yeah. yeah. Right now. But yeah, I guess that's one of the reasons why yoga really works is because of that, that movement and that proprioception, letting my body know, like you don't have to put off a pain signal right now. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the reasons too, why, you feel so much better after going to like exercise um, versus like if you just sat on the couch all day. It's that movement that really sends like all those good signals to our brain and helps us come down out of a stress response. And that's such a, a, a hard thing to grasp, I feel like for most people is because when you feel like you're in pain, the last thing you want to do is go move your body because you feel like it's going to make it worse but you're so right. I think most people can relate to that if they have actually went and did the exercise that they realize like, Oh, I actually do feel better after I did that exercise. Definitely. And there is a caveat to that too, being that you don't want to push too hard. Um, cause that's what I see in a lot of clients who are, um, really athletic and want to go out and do a lot of big movement. Um, if you're having all these sticky spots in your body, those are still going to cause alarm signals unless you fix the problem. So exercise is great, but being doing exercise that doesn't trigger further nociception is ideal. Got it. Yeah. And I feel like that, that is hard for a lot of people because I think the way that we're sort of conditioned to exercise is the sort of hard and fast. Like a lot of mm -hmm. us are taught that we need to manage weight, for instance, through exercise. And so the harder we push and the more pain that we put ourselves through, the, the more gain we get out of it. Right. Like that's where that, that's where that saying comes from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's so embedded in our culture to like push hard and like get a result. Um, but it's been really amazing since kind of learning about this work to see how little you can do and still get a big result. You don't need to push through um, in order to like, you know, come into this new big 
opening and actually it feels safer on our bodies to do little things over time that create more momentum and more sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. There, that's that. a good point. And, you know, with your work, having experienced this personally, I think this is a good segue into talking about how different this is from a lot of the traditional chiropractic treatments out there. A lot of people are familiar with going to the chiropractor and getting like big adjustments and like the bone cracking. And, you know, sometimes it can hurt or it doesn't hurt while you're getting the adjustment, but you end up kind of inflamed and your body's trying to move yourself back to where it was before because you've created this sort of very alarming, big change all at once that your nervous system wasn't prepared for. Um, so talk about how your approach is different from that. Yeah, definitely. And I, I empathize with that too. I've been adjusted before where it does feel more like an attack. Um, and I think the biggest thing that's different about our work is we really take into account that so many people are just like stuck in this fight or flight loop. Um, and if we're constantly like in the state of defense, in the state of bracing, um, any sort of input is gonna feel like an attack. So we need to first kind of unwind and downshift the nervous system and then start to make sustainable changes um, that don't feel like an attack. Because if we make big changes and it doesn't feel safe, our bodies are much more likely to just go back to how they were because that feels more safe. And all change is challenging, even if it's in, the right direction, but if we can kind of create this framework um, for how we are creating change, it can become a lot more sustainable. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So you also have a role in um, working with fascia. So can you actually just explain to the listeners what fascia is and then how that plays a role in affecting the sympathetic nervous system and how you, how you personally approach that. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, fascia is this like spider webby material that um, it covers all of our muscles. It connects into um, the sheaths around our nerves. It um, is contiguous with our muscles and it's what kind of makes up the ligaments and the tendons in our bodies. And it also um, creates this sleeve around our spinal cord. So it's pretty much everywhere. <laughs> and um, if you want like a visual as well, if you've ever seen like a chicken breast, um, it's that like filmy material that's kind of on top of it. And a lot of the times they'll have cut a lot of it away already, but it's kind of like that just like spider webby material. And um, it's really important in our bodies for connecting um, our bodies and creating one functional unit. Uh, one of my favorite questions is, are we 261 different muscles or are we one muscle with 261 different pockets? <laughs> so it's Ooh. this kind of idea that everything's connected and fascia is really um, the piece that connects our whole body and makes us one functional unit. Um, and it develops differently in different people depending on how you move it. It's not one of the structures that we're um, born with, it kind of develops over time based on how we move. Uh, so if you've ever heard of like the tensor fasciolata or your IT band on the outside of your thigh, that's a specialized band of fascia. And um, most people have it on the outside of their leg, but actually cowboys develop it on the inside of their thighs because that's how they use their muscles differently. Um, so it kind of changes based on how you are moving your body specifically. 
Um, and what we've found clinically is that you're, if you're not addressing the fascia, um, you're missing a big piece because it is so important in creating this like single functional unit of a human. Um, so in terms of how it relates to chiropractic as well, it's one thing to kind of look at the bones and say, okay, are they aligned? Are there any areas where it's creating nerve interference? But it's another thing to kind of look at the other pieces and say, okay, is it out of place because the fascia is tugging on it this way? Um, and so I find it just to be a little bit more of a holistic approach. We're really looking at the whole body and what's maybe the key note, like where's, um, where do we need to start to start unraveling some of this tension? I love that. Yeah. Well, so you also have um, some experience in working with the spine and the fascia around the spine and how that specifically impacts fertility. So kind of bringing it back to your original passion around fertility, how have you integrated that into your chiropractic practice specifically with like the spine and fascia? Yeah. So there's not like a specific adjustment that gets you pregnant. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's not quite uh, that direct of a connection. Um, but we know that it's really hard to um, get pregnant. And if you're in a fight or flight mode, um, when you're in fight or flight, you're trying to defend your own life and your body's not really interested in creating another human and bringing it into this world that might that to your body feels unsafe. Um, so it's not prioritizing fertility. Um, and until we can kind of down regulate that sympathetic tone, that fight or flight, um, it's going to be really hard to make any sort of changes. Um, be that in like, even the way you're eating, like I'm not really interested in eating a lot of vegetables if I'm just trying to fight for my life. Um, so what I found in my clinical practice is that's really the first step that we need to focus on before we start making some of these other dietary changes or looking at hormones. Um, we also know that cortisol is rampant when we're in fight or flight mode too. Um, and cortisol and progesterone come from, or cortisol and progesterone come from uh, cholesterol. And so there's this kind of shift too um, when we have a lot of cortisol. In our bodies because it starts to kind of steal that progesterone and I'm not an expert in all the hormones but um, I'm, I think you guys have covered HPA access and some of the other um, hormonal components that come in with fight or flight as well um, so it's one of those things that we really need to focus on first before we can start making other big changes um, because your body's just not ready for change until you can kind of downshift some of that fight or flight, just reactivity. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the whole process of healing and regenerating in the body is parasympathetic. Mm -hmm. It's rest and digest as opposed to fight or flight. And so if you're hanging out in that sympathetic nervous state all the time, it is, it's going to be harder to move stuff back to where it needs to go. And so, yeah, it makes sense that turning down that alarm mode is really the first step to starting to move things back to where they belong and getting the body to rebalance and shift back to the state that it's meant to be in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think with fertility too, it's, it's so hard because you know, usually that fight or flight mode comes from the struggle with getting pregnant and the infertility involves, um, especially when you have to start going to doctors or 
reproductive endocrinologist and medications and this and that. Uh, it can kind of be this ongoing cycle, right? Where it's like you're trying to get pregnant, but you're also getting more into this like sympathetic fight or flight mode. So it is really interesting to hear that this is a one particular modality or practice, uh, a, kind of similar maybe along the lines of acupuncture that one can consider as far as um, trying to get out of that mode and back into the body and really kind of um, reset the nervous system while they're going through that kind of journey. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things that I think gets overlooked a lot too. Like there are so many um, amazing resources on like things that we can do with our hormones and with our diet. But um, if our body doesn't feel prepared for that, it's really um, hard to shift out of that unless you're addressing that and getting to the root cause of some of like the tension that we're holding in our bodies. Um, one of the things that I love about this work that we do too, is it's kind of coming from a body-mind approach instead of a mind-body approach. Um, and for me, that felt a lot more accessible at first. Um, I've done a lot of mind-body approaches like meditation, and um, it was hard for me to get into it um, and be able to relax enough in order for it to like feel like it was working for me. Um, and so a lot of the work that we do, we teach a lot of like exercises and simple things that you can do to your own body um, to help your, you achieve that different state of neurology where you feel like you're in that parasympathetic mode, that rest and digest mode. Um, and it just felt more accessible for me as well. Hmm. What are some of those? Could you give us a, a few of those? A couple? One? Yeah. <laughs> so all of these moves that we do. So um, our, our clinic is a, is a clinic and also a therapeutic movement studio. So we teach a lot of classes and workshops um, and give people a lot of tools that they can use to um, help this work become more sustainable for them. So they have tools that they can use and aren't as reliant on providers. Um, one of my favorite things too about what we do is um, we help people need us less and as a provider, I don't want you to have to continually come to me and rely on me. I'd rather have you be able to reach for things that you're able to do on your own. Um, so one of the first things that we typically teach people to do is what we call squeezes. So it's this idea that we're creating deep, broad squeezes on both the muscles and in the joints. Um, and this activates a lot of those proprioceptive signals. So mm -hmm. when I'm doing this, these squeezes, I'm using kind of like a broad hand and just lightly squeezing. And it's great so for like your arm and your shoulder, mm -hmm. like your neck area. Yep. So and I'm like kind of like self massage. Yeah. It's why like hugs feel so great. And it's the same kind of science behind like why weighted blankets are great for, you know, kids with anxiety and adults with anxiety. Um, it's this idea that it's sending a lot of proprioceptive signals to our brain, which turns down a stress response. Um, so, you know, this takes 10 seconds to do, and I can do it while I'm at work, while I'm like, you know, in the middle of something stressful. On a podcast. On a podcast, yeah. <laughs> Just giving myself some nice broad squeezes and um, it's, it's so great to be able to just immediately shift your brain back into that state of parasympathetics. 
I like that. Yeah. Great. So, um, as far as, so you have the at home treatment and then you have the movement studio. So what kind of things do you do specifically like when they come to you for treatment? Like you, so you're starting off with helping them become a little bit more resilient to the stress. That's, you say that's a kind of your first approach, especially if you notice that that's what's hindering them from getting better. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's typically the first step. And so what are some of the things that you're doing in practice? Um, what, what does that look like if somebody came to see you? Yeah. So it's kind of dependent on each person and what's going on. Um, but depending on where they're at in their health journey, um, it, we might suggest that they kind of come in and just do some classes. That's great. And just starting to shift down your fight or flight response. Um, we also offer workshops. That's a full system of self fascia release. So it's a way for you to be able to find um, ways to release the fascia on your own, um, which is great. And I found that when I have clients go through that program, I'm typically able to drop their frequency of care a lot quicker um, because they have so many tools that they can use at home. Um, in terms of like clinical care, when people come in, well, it really depends on the person, um, but we'll typically start out with like 12 adjustments see how you do. And then from there we reassess and, um, determine, you know, what, what the next phase of care will look like. Um, one of the things that we do often in the beginning is start off with a higher frequency because we don't want to overwhelm the system. Um, and we find that it's a lot more effective to do little bits of work over time regularly versus trying to like do one big adjustment where we, you know, pop a bunch of stuff and it feels like this attack. Um, so we create a lot of more sustainability in the body um, by just calming down the nervous system. And then we're able to get in and do deeper work that lasts for a lot longer. Hmm. Yeah. So at the time of this recording, I think I want to say I'm eight, eight adjustments in to my first 12 with Dr. Danielle and her partner, Dr. Dr. Satya. And it's been very, it's been a very interesting experience because it doesn't feel like that typical big adjustment that I I've had a lot of chiropractic care in my past. I've had a lot of injuries. Um, I went through months of chiropractic for a really bad whiplash injury back in 2009. And so, you know, even though I knew that their approach was different going in, it was still like, I had to get my brain around how small some of these adjustments were, but then how different I would feel afterward. And so it's really true that, you know, some of those really small movements, like it, it doesn't have to feel bone cracking and it doesn't have to feel painful or inflamed after the fact to be effective. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this is going to continue to work for me because I do feel a reduction in that sort of fight or flight. I feel like it's easier to turn off like when it's time. It's easier to relax. Um, I can still ramp up and be stressed out when I need to. There are certain aspects of of you know working with clients that require that you know you have to be able to you have to be able to ramp up when you need to and and be available and be able to function in that fight or flight but you also need to be able to turn off and calm down and rest um so yeah so far it's been it's been really great for me yeah, yeah i love that and that's you know such a big piece of um 
what I want to clarify too is that it's it's important to be able to have a fight or flight response. It's an adaptive thing. Um, you know, if you really are being attacked by a tiger, I want you to fight and I want you to run. Um, and it's an intelligent response from our body. Um, and so to say it's a, a it's a bad thing, um, I want to differentiate that. My apologies. Um, I want to differentiate that it it is an intelligent response, but sometimes we just get stuck in a loop of it. Um, and if we're constantly in a loop of it, it can, you know, not be great for our bodies to be in that sympathetic state all the time. We kind of need this balance. Yeah, yeah that's so, so true. Yeah. So well, that's a pretty good sample size, Kristen. I think that, you know, you've gone eight times and it sounds like you're moving the bar just a little bit each time. So when you leave after that appointment, you not might not feel like, oh my gosh, something huge happened. But now you can kind of look back and be like, okay, it is definitely moving the bar in a sustainable way, which, you know, sometimes big movements like that, especially if you're just going like once a week, I've definitely had that experience where I've had a lot of neck pain and um, I'll go once a week to a chiropractor. He does all these adjustments and then I'll be totally inflamed for one day and then like it will feel good for about four days and then it goes back to the way it is and then I'll go back in for another adjustment and it's just it's it's hard because um I just want it, it to go away I want it to be like gone I don't want to have to continue to go to the chiropractor every week it's just not something that I want to do for the rest of my life so well I like I like this approach yeah, this is exactly what we talk about kind of with this whole functional medicine paradigm that you and I work in. It's really about figuring out what the root cause is of the issue. Like it's, mm-hmm. I, I think the, um, the approach where you just have to keep going and going and going is really similar to seeing a doctor to treat a symptom for some mm-hmm. sort of a problem. Like you're treating the symptom of pain and then it goes away for four days and then you have, you need another adjustment. It's kind of like taking a pill, but it doesn't, figure out like, why, why is that thing out of place? Why does it continue to be out of place? Why does it move back to where it was every time I try to move it and restore it? So, yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's something, you know, I think a lot of people have a misconception about with chiropractic as well is that, oh, you have these certain patterns in your body and that's just how it's always going to be. And you'll always need the same thing adjusted forever. Um, and to me that tells me, okay, well, why isn't your body adapting to the change? You're, you're stuck in the state where you're not adapting. Um, and that's really, um, it's really common when you're in fight or flight mode to just your adaptability decreases. So then you're kind of missing this whole piece. Um, and you know, as a chiropractor, I want you to show up with different patterns. I want to see change happen because it tells me that your body's responding to the input and incorporating it in some way, integrating, and then coming up with a new pattern, coming up with a new solution. Um, so sometimes it's finding new patterns and then, um, edging those along to create proper alignment. Um, but I, I don't believe that we need to keep adjusting the same thing forever. You know, Mm -hmm. I think we really need to focus on, okay, well, what, why does it keep going back? And is there something else that's in a way we have this kind of like checklist of what keeps us healthy and maybe it's not just the bones out of place and needs to go back to place. Maybe it's an energetic component. Maybe there's fascial adhesions. Maybe you have inflammation, um, in an area that might be distorting your fascia. Um, so there's, there's so many things that you can look at and to just 
kind of stay in one perspective is really limiting. It's yeah. a very whole person approach. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so you focus in your practice a lot on this idea of helping women become more resilient to stress. And, and you mentioned this already, and Dr. Haley mentioned this already too, but like, what does that actually mean? Um, and how does this work help women achieve that? Yeah. So when I talk about um, resilience, it doesn't mean like our ability to push through and get a job done. Um, and I, I, we've talked about that already, but um, I think that that's kind of a common misconception is that like, oh, well, I can tough it out and I can get through anything. And to me, that's not really resilience because at some point the swing has to kind of come the other way and maybe you're pushing it off for a little, but um, when is it going to kind of come back and create a health crash or, you know, um, something else that is maybe a delayed result of you pushing through. So to me, what resilience really means is your ability to adapt to the stressors and then return back to center unharmed. Um, so it's this idea that, you know, we have this like cup of how much stress we can handle and do we have like a small cup that can only handle so much stress or do we have this big cup that we can like handle a lot of stress and hold a lot of stress in before it overflows. Um, so I really like to focus on giving people ways to create this bigger cup um, and tools that you can use to kind of like take water out in the time that you're having like a meltdown and need some tools to kind of like get you back to center. But overall, I want you to become more resilient to stress and the fact that not so many things knock you off kilter as often. Um, and we can kind of look at this in like different ways too, like how physically resilient are you? Like if you get injured, are you like out of whack for a really long time or is your body able to like adapt and bounce back quickly? Also like, how energetically resilient are you? Like if somebody around you is kind of like having a meltdown and freaking out, do you get really affected by that? Or can you kind of stay in your center and remain like a pillar <laughs> and not be swayed by their meltdown? Um, and how able are you to go into fight or flight, but then get back to rest and digest? Like, are you able to get stressed out and then be okay? Or do you does one thing set you off in the morning and then you're kind of spiraling out of control for the rest of the day? Um, so when we look at like all of those things, we can kind of tell like how resilient are you? Um, and what I find a lot of the times is like people will be doing a lot of meditation, they'll be doing yoga, they'll be doing all the things that, you know, we know to do to help us become more resilient. Um, but if we're constantly being bombarded with these alarm signals from our body, um, it's really hard to get on board all the way with being really resilient. Um, so this is a piece that I think has just been often overlooked and um, we need to address that in order to really have all of these spheres of resilience um, together. Yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. I, I've, I really kind of noticed that in my own life too of feeling like overwhelmed with, you know, little things like the, I was just telling Matt the other day of the routine that you have to go through every single morning over and over again, like putting on the makeup, doing your hair, making my daughter's lunch. And it's just like, 
oh man, it's all for waste because tomorrow I'm going to have to do it all over again. But, and that can cause this unnecessary stress because yes, of course you've got to do it all over again. You know, like that's just part of life. You got to be resilient to that kind of little mundane stress. And so, um, you know, those little techniques that you were kind of talking about of how to be okay with and be calm and kind of serene on your day to day and not let those like tiny little things knock, you know, knock off your, your mood or like increase your stress response for, for the day. And, um, cause that really can affect how you, how you address the rest of the day and, and the rest of your week. And so, yeah, I was just noticing that of like, why is just like routine making me stressed? <laughs> yeah. And I was, I've kind of been similar too. Um, but in more of like the long term, like I would push through to be a really high performer and, you know, like get awesome grades and do all the things and accomplish a lot of projects. But I would push through and then I would have, I would crash. I would like mm -hmm. need a week of just vacation where I didn't mm -hmm. have to do anything. Um, and so it wasn't really sustainable for me to like keep pushing through and then having these lulls or just like needed a break. Yeah. And so, um, this work has personally helped me just feel more resilient in that I can keep a steadier baseline of like, just this like happy by default, I like to call it. Um, where I don't take in as many like outside stressors um, as much, or if I do, it's easier for me to kind of get back to center, um, yeah. which has been huge. I don't, I also don't feel myself reaching for so many like outside in kind of crutches. I was the kind of person who would drink a lot of coffee in the morning and then need a glass of wine at night to just kind of regulate my nervous system. Mm -hmm. Um, and that just, it didn't feel sustainable. And as I became a healthcare provider, I was like, this might not be <laughs> the best option for me. Um, and so I needed to find ways to like, just be more resilient throughout the day. Um, mm -hmm. so that I wasn't just like having these crashes and feeling the need to regulate from outside in, um, sources. I wanted to feel like I could help my own self regulate. I like that. Yeah. From like inside out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Yeah. So Kristen, do you have any other questions? I feel like we've really covered a lot in the short amount of time that we've had. Yeah. I think one, one thing I really wanted to ask about was, you know, we talked about the, all of these things that can happen to us, like, you know, tension in our fascia, or like how it, it can develop in ways that are not as supportive and it's kind of based on our movement or we can end up with spinal subluxation or stored tension um, places in our body. Like, what are some of the things that lead to that? Like, what are some risk factors that might tell women like, hey, I could benefit from this type of approach? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest like self-diagnostic way for me to help people understand like if they need this work is if they're like aligning with some of the things that we've talked about. Like if you feel like you get really um, stressed out or overwhelmed um, easily, like you're on this hairpin trigger um, or like if you just feel like you store a lot of tension in your body. Um, it's one of those things like if we get stressed out, it's really, easy to not deal with it in the moment and kind of like put it away in our bodies. Um, and I have so many people that say like, 
yeah, I have a desk job or I'm at a computer a lot and I just start noticing my shoulders start creeping up towards my ears and I hold all this tension in my upper back and it starts leading to headaches. Um, those are all things that can be a result of, you know, your ergonomics and uh, stress from your job. But um, how can we help you kind of navigate how to not lock up from those positions? Um, and if you're trying to like, so the key to, one of the keys to resilience also is fluidity. Uh, and when we talk about there being a lot of sticky spots, you can imagine that that wouldn't really create fluid movement. It would kind of create more um, clunky movement. Um, so we really want to focus on creating this really fluid movement. You want to be able to move all of the bones in your spine so that you're getting all of those good, healthy movement signals. Because uh, when they're, the joints are locked up, your brain is starving for that information from the, the spots that are stuck. Um, and it's also sending the alarm signals. So we need to find ways to kind of loosen up those spots and move more fluidly. Um, and so if you're just kind of fluidly moving side to side, try to notice like, can you feel all the bones in your spine moving independently? Or does it feel like you're just kind of clunking side to side? Um, so I like to imagine how seaweed moves underwater. Like, can you really fluidly move your body? Or do you feel like you kind of move your spine in like three spots and everything else is pretty stuck. Um, are you seaweed or are you a pencil? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so those are some ways for you to notice in your own body like, okay, this might be a thing that could be one of the reasons why I'm stuck in this fight or flight response. Yeah, well, and having previous injuries or like past trauma to an area, I feel like even emotional trauma in the past can really cause a lot of tension in certain areas in the body. We talked about that when we, uh, we had a, an abdominal massage therapist on the podcast and she talked about how emotional trauma can cause tension, but it definitely seems like this would affect the fascia and also affect this nervous system signaling as well. Yeah, definitely. And it's uh, really interesting when we start talking about uh, fascia and the energetic body. If you align a map of the fascial lines over top a map of the meridians out of like Chinese acupuncture, um, it's almost identical. And so it's been postulated that uh, our fascia is like the physical realm of our energetic bodies. It's where we're kind of like storing a lot of um, some of those emotional feelings. And um, there's, you know, so many layers to trauma and talk therapy is great at kind of addressing a lot of those. Um, but if you're not addressing how trauma is also stored in your body, you're missing a big piece um, that can prevent you from moving past and moving forward. Um, and if we don't address it, it just will continue to be this like coat of armor that is protective and is there to protect us. Um, but it's also creating that stickiness and that glueiness that is constantly keeping us in this alarm state. Yeah, that's a really good point for sure. Yeah. So uh, where can local listeners who are in the Portland area learn more about your practice with Dr. Satya and what you guys are offering? Definitely. So we're in the Pearl District of Portland. Um, and I'll make sure that we have a link to our website in the show notes. You can check us out there. Um, I've also opened up some um, focused strategy sessions for the next two weeks until November 5th. 
Um, so if anyone is interested in connecting more and uh, doing a complimentary 20 minute consult to help you kind of figure out if some of these things might be what's bottlenecking you in your fertility journey, um, I'd be honored to support you in that way as well. Um, I'll make sure I put a link to my scheduler in the show notes as well so you can um, connect with me there. Um, and if you are not local, uh, we do have a mailing list. And so I'll make sure that we have a link to um, get onto our mailing list so you can hear about future things that we offer. We do have workshops that teach you this full system of self-fascial release. Um, so you can find ways to get the stickiness out of your own body. Um, yeah. And there, well, we will be launching an online course as well this winter. Um, so that'll be a great way for listeners who are not local uh, to connect with some of this work. That's fantastic. I didn't know that you guys were doing that. That's really exciting. Yeah, kind of a new transition for us, um, but we're, we're really excited and uh, we look forward to connecting with people that are outside of the Portland area as well. Yeah, that's so great. Get on their mailing list so you can hear about when that course comes out if this is something that really resonates with you. So what about for people that aren't local and they like, they need help, they need to work with somebody like right now, what sorts of things should they be looking for when they're assessing who they should be going to see? Because it's really hard sometimes to find a provider that is, has the right approach for what you need. So how do you find that? What do, what do you have for tips for that? Totally. Um, so I have been working on getting my postdoctoral degree through the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association. Um, and so they work a lot with, um, they do a postdoctoral program teaching chiropractors um, techniques in how to work with um, pediatric clients as well as um, women throughout the pregnancy process. Um, and so all of those doctors will have specific training in um, fertility and um, prenatal adjusting as well. And you can find those doctors if you go to icpa4kids.com. Um, and so those chiropractors will have extensive um, postdoctoral training in some of this work um, and will be able to um, be really specific and help you accomplish your goals. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much for that extra information. We love being able to lead our listeners to help that they need. Um, it's one thing to hear about it on a podcast. It's another to actually find a practitioner that does something like this. So hopefully that will help them out. Well, thank you so much, uh, Danielle, for being here with us today. That was a fascinating conversation. Definitely got me thinking for my own health. And it's also fun to see how well Kristen is doing after having eight visits with you. So work in progress, but definitely helping in, in her journey as well. So um, we look forward to um, hopefully having you on again. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love the work that you're doing and I love supporting your community. Thank you.